0: What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing, but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello, and welcome to What Should I Think About. I'm Celine.
1: And I'm Stephen. So, today, Celine, what are we talking about?
0: Um, ethics, it turns out. Um, I thought we were talking about ethics, as in um, when you do psychological or sociological experiments. Mm. Uh, turns out we're not we're just talking about ethics more generally which i think is better we
1: can we can talk about that but um
0: yeah i think that's a very niche topic but i'm see i'm just very happy i see no one and you especially can never say i don't agree to your topics because i thought you wanted to just like moan about ethics and when you're trying to get things through the ethics board and i was like okay we will do a podcast on that
1: no that's very boring no we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. right and wrong basically we um, I think it's a really important question, you know, uh, how to make decisions about what is right, what is wrong, morals, all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and in philosophy, it tends to get called ethics. Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I thought that'd be quite an interesting thing to talk about. Obviously, neither of us are philosophers, um, so. You know these are uh, these ideas are ones I think we're all grappling with, but even the experts I think grapple with them too.
0: Yeah, I think um, it's so. a word that's not just for experts though. In that I think no, most of right. us um, use the words use the word ethics in in day to day life quite a lot, or you know what's ethical, is this ethical, um, mm. and so on. So we'll, we'll go into that. Um, you'll probably talk about it um, in in the ex-religious kind of way and maybe I'll bring in some um the way that I kind of link to it is the is mm. the consumerist world we live in and what yeah. and sort of things so will probably mm. take us there
1: that's cool yeah I mean that's all relevant yeah um, I mean I think there's a question when you leave uh, a religious group um especially one that is so all-encompassing as Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormonism or Moonies Any or whatever of ones that we've spoken yeah, to
0: over exactly the year.
1: yeah yeah these have a very clear uh set of moral Code requirements of ethics, I suppose yeah that would be clear. now it is true that there will be varying degrees of uh you know people obeying those ma- morals and ethics I would assume and there's also probably a lot of hypocr- hypocrisy around the leadership mm-hmm. you know so um i'm sure People who have come out of high control groups, cults, even religions, will be able to point to leaders who didn't display their own ethical code. But in a way, well, I kind of don't want to get small sidetracked. Small scale to
0: large scale,
1: indeed. Like yeah. the,
0: um, you know, with um, everything that came out with the Catholic Church and exactly. you know many other yeah. groups and um, yeah, JWUs and so on. Um, how, yeah, d- there's there's lots to talk about.
1: Absolutely. But um, in a way, I, I kind of don't want to get sidetracked down the uh, that route too much um, mm. because uh, I want to talk about the principles, actually. So whilst, yes, I'm sure there's lots of hypocrisy in these groups and so on, in a way, I'm not, for this conversation, I'm not too interested in that at the moment. I want to think about the actual principles of morality. So as uh, a young jehovah's witness being raised in that uh, situation i was taught that my morals came from the bible Mm. Um, so if you didn't know what to do about a situation then you should go to the bible to find its principles and of course for jehovah's witnesses they have this big library of work that interprets and um, decides what those principles are so you don't just go to the bible you go to the watchtower or the young people ask book or the family life book or whatever it is and that gives you guidance then on what the bible says this is this is what i was told now of course that's all contested different people think different things but as a principle that was the principle that we were raised to believe so you know and, and in a way it's part of the uh, the inspiration for this podcast you know what should i think about what should i think about assisted dying what mm. should i think about stealing what should i think about lying what should i think about all of these questions So a lot of them are actually actually ethical or moral questions and if you've been used to being trained to going to the bible or the books that are supposed to be interpreting the bible for your answers when you leave you've got a question you know what do i think about these things what do i believe about these questions now now that i'm no longer i no longer go to the watchtower for my Um, decisions about what's right and wrong i don't actually as an atheist i don't even go to the bible for my judgments about what's right and wrong so where do i go then and that's i think a really important question and it is actually one of the criticisms that um, religious people throw at secularism and atheism and humanism you know well if you don't believe in god then there is no such thing as morality you can basically do whatever you want and so I thought it'd be quite important to talk about, actually, is that the case? Um, I and, you know, I mean, so obviously
0: on. think no. And I would put straight up at the top that I think um, a lot of like, if you take it in a more literal or um, at least the way that the witnesses do um, with being, um, I would say, anti-LGBTQ and patriarchal, in mm. nature, these things that they would call, they would see as morally right and yeah. ethically right. I see as morally repugnant. <laughs> so,
1: um, to me, nice, nice use of the word repugnant. Yeah,
0: um, it's yeah. To me, it's um, they. They don't have a monopoly on morals and, mm. and being um, ethic, uh, ethically right. Do you know what I mean? And mm. in the in the right and good, I think that they have a set of in in scare you know scare quotes morals that they follow but i don't think that they have a monopoly on them they're not you know um Mm. so straight up i think when they're like and you've left and now you have no roles i'm like i mean you have ways that you live but are they morally right you don't know that (laughs) i don't think so
1: yeah so um i mean we want to we want to talk about some of the um some of the the more philosophical ways, I suppose, of identifying morals mm-hmm. and the secular ways of thinking about morals. Mm-hmm. But of course, the, the the problem with religious morals is um, they're always mediated at least once, but yeah. often more. So um, the morals that religions have, uh, certainly in, in Christian religions, are are based around the Bible. And of course, the mm. Bible was written many hundreds thousands of years ago um, therefore the morals that are in there are a reflection of what was considered normal back in those days um, obviously if you really believe that God inspired everything that was in the Bible literally he mm-hmm. said what was going to be good and bad and and in a way that's that's the belief that I was raised so the Bible itself the way that we were taught it starts with a question of who gives the rules who whose morality do we go to in fact it is the question really you know so when adam and eve sinned against god essentially what they were doing was saying we don't want you to tell us what the rules are and so when eve takes of the fruit and gives some to adam he eats of the fruit um straight after that they realized they're naked and um that was evidence for god that they'd eat another fruit so the fact that they made their first if you like moral decision if you don't count the eating of it itself mm. um, was, "Oh, we're naked we need to do something about our nakedness that that itself is like the first time that humanity decided for itself what what the rule should be mm. um, it's interesting in Genesis that God then makes some clothing for them mm. um, and then obviously that's that's the fall from perfection and so so the idea in the jWs and I think this is quite common amongst um, Protestant and uh, lots of these sorts of religions is that morality is is determined by God the original sin was actually although it was eating of the fruit it was actually rejection of god's moral standards and the determination to make up our own mind what's right and wrong and so that's that's kind of the mentality when people accuse secularists of having no morality that's the same accusation really
0: but it it sounds like a it's it sounds counter to itself so to suggest there are no you know secularists have no morals or um as seen by when adam and Eve chose to make up their own morals (laughs) do you know what i mean like so it's just saying you have the wrong morals do you know what i mean so it's like oh you've got no do
1: you see what i mean well the 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 argument is is that if there is no ultimate intelligence that is or created that you know ultimately has the the right um to determine what's right or wrong mm. then we have a, a sort of relativistic set of morals where it just depends on the individuals the time and place um, the social world uh, all of that well, then they, can pretend to fluid. Be,
0: they can pretend to be separate from the world but we know that we don't act entirely as the bible says you know people that do wrong aren't stoned anymore and we don't have slaves but that's in the bible um so yeah i find it all very sticky but let's move let's move to something more interesting i suppose because i just find it i'm being i'm being that person so that's yeah i mean i i could
1: i could give you the arguments as to why they uh why christians let's say would would argue with that and and it's to do with um the I suppose that that the the fact that when Jesus came he essentially overwrote mm. or, or did away with the need for all of those laws that were part of, of humankind's uh, duty before and then um, you know had a different set of principles mm. if you like but what that does in itself I think you're right because it it, it does say that actually God is practicing a relativistic form of morality because he's saying at some time in the past you know it was okay to have multiple wives it was okay to own slaves Mm -hmm. um so and so and so so, but now it's not and so that also
0: having bears come down upon a bunch of children (laughs) for shouting "Baldy was okay that's okay you know
1: stoning people's good you know you need to do that um, but now it's not okay. so I mean that is a very definition of a relativistic morality uh, or code of ethics. I would suggest, but yes, you're right. let's move on so um so one of one of the the there's sort of i think two competing modern ways of thinking about how do we decide what's right and wrong um mm. and I thought that would be quite a good place to start and actually when you when you look at a lot of situations, you can reduce it down to this. Um, so, and and this relates to, sorry.
0: I was just going to say, do you think you've got like a clear code of ethics that you live by then? Or is it like you're just going about and sometimes you have to make decisions that are quote unquote ethical or morally guided?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I don't know. What do you think? Do you, I'm going to throw that back at you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: just like, I don't
1: know. I don't know. What about you, hot potato? Yeah.
0: Um, I think, um, I think generally, most decisions are probably ethical decisions that you make day to day, but not all of them are um, big decisions, you know, where, where you shop, what you eat, um, you know, who, who you, who you date potentially that like all these things have um, hmm. sort of ramifications, but not all of them are you considering. Um, I, I think the things that I can control or, I try to, so the things that I don't need but I would like, I try and make sure that I buy ethical thing like for you know, companies that treat their people well and things like that. Mm. But um yeah, and I, I have okay. a political system that I I guess that I believe in. Mm. Like I you know, so that probably falls into that, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, so let's have a look at these two different um, sort of philosophies around making decisions. So they are called consequentialism and deontology. So these are the two ways that um, we can think about making decisions about what's right or wrong. And uh, I suppose simply simply put, um, deontology, so a deontological approach would be to say that there are a set of rules that are kind of immutable these are the these are the rights and wrongs of the matter and therefore we live by that code mm. so you know it's wrong to kill people it's wrong to steal it's wrong to do xyz it's right to do this it's right to do that and so those those are a set of rules if you like or a set of principles on which uh we 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 make our decisions and I would say that's very much in line with, with the, the things that we just talked about, really, with, with the religious set of rules. Mm-hmm. It's also um, consistent with uh, divine command theory. So in other words, you know, where do you get those rules from? Well, you get it from God. Mm-hmm. So that's basically a deontological approach that it's wrong to do certain things or it's right to do certain things. Therefore, you do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and the other way of looking at it is a consequentialist approach which says that um, you really need to look at the outcomes of certain behaviors and it's that that determines whether it's right or wrong Mm. and one of the ways of kind of identifying separating this is the good old-fashioned trolley problem which mm. we've been threatening to talk about on this podcast for a long time because mm-hmm. every podcast has to talk about trolley problems at some mm. point so today is our day um, but it's a really interesting little thought experiment that that brings into sharp relief the the differences between these two so if I was to sh- say to you and by trolleys, we actually mean like, I trains. suppose in the UK, we'd call them trains, really. Um, trams. Trams, that sort of thing. So imagine you've got a, a trolley, tram, going along a track. And at the end of the track is a workman, let's say. Let's make it a man. We'll talk about sexism a later. A then. A work person. Um, so somebody's working on the on the track um and there's a siding that you can pull into so instead of running the poor man over you can pull a lever so you're you're somewhere else you're you're operating the the track so you can pull a lever and the train will go onto this other track and that will save the man so i think everybody would say yes of course if the man was going to get run over by the train you'd pull the lever the train would go onto the other track and the man has his life saved. So Mm. would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. That would be the ethical thing to do. Okay, so now imagine that you're on the track and uh, the same guy's there or somebody's there working on the track. You're going to run him over. So you look to your lever, but you notice that on the other track, the one that you could go on to, the siding, you've got five people so what do you do do you pull the lever which means that you go on to the siding and you run the five people over or do you not which means that you run the one person over
0: well generally you go for the one person is the point of this trolley problem um, that's right uh you know obviously you would This ignores all other opportunities for anything. Mm, We only have the lever in this scenario, so that's it. I mean, he's because you'd think that there'd be, you
1: know, yeah. Forget forget any breaks. Don't exist. This is the never-ending tram. There's no superheroes that are going to help save you. Nothing. You know, just engineering. (laughs) No, nothing. Nothing. This is this is the problem. Okay, so you'd say, well, I wouldn't. Obviously, I wouldn't pull the lever then because I'd be going into the five people. So what happens if the five people are on the main track and now pulling the lever means that you would come off the main track but you're going to kill that one person on the siding. Would you purposely pull the lever now knowing that you are going to by pulling that lever cause the death of a person um, or would you not?
0: Well, I think the idea is that you're meant to go and pull the lever. We're well, and... not meant to do anything. This is no, a, this is a well, problem. No, this is yes, <laughs> but this is that that in order to explain it, you would pull it, and then you would only have one person because you would have without you can say you didn't do anything, and five people died, and it wasn't your fault. But not doing something is still an action.
1: Well, it's inaction. Yeah. So it's not an action, it's inaction, but it's but it, still it's a decision. It's a choice,
0: yeah. Yes. And like people die because of a choice.
1: So. Absolutely. Okay. So what about you're on the, uh, now you're on a bridge and uh, you're seeing the, the train, the trolley go towards these five people. Um. So you've got no lever, but you, there is a, a man, big fat man, like me, stood on the bridge and... You know that if you push that man off the bridge, because he's nice and big, he'll stop the train. He'll block the train from killing those five people. So, But now you've got to push him off the bridge in order to save those five people. So you've literally got to push him off no. to save those five people. Is that okay?
0: I don't know if it's okay or not, but I know that I wouldn't do it. And you'd definitely go to prison if you did that. <laughs>
1: Well, forget about prison. Um, just think about the the ethics. I wouldn't.
0: Of it. I wouldn't push someone. I yeah. wouldn't purposefully like
1: push somebody. So that's when it starts to get a bit more difficult because it's the same problem, essentially, isn't it? it you're saying that the five people would die. I
0: suppose, but the the difference is there's just a random civilian versus someone like that there's some like dodgy work practices going on where everybody's like on the tracks so <laughs> do you know what i mean so like someone that's not chosen to be involved at all or like take any risks or make any decisions they're just on a bridge versus someone you know like th- there's different like reasons that i think that basically just a random civilian <laughs> shouldn't be drawn into it <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, I mean, that's interesting. You're, you're, you're coming to a decision. That's like, that feels
0: like more murderous, to be honest. (laughs) Like, and also to, to even consider that, that wouldn't come to my mind. I wouldn't be like, Oh, I'll stop it with this. Like, I think the tool, which is we move trams because you would do that. Like you said, and there would generally not be multiple people on both sets of trams. And I'm sure people have had to move train lines before to avoid somebody. But I don't think anyone that works or is about a train is. I've never heard of someone pushing a boulder of a man in the way of a
1: train. Well, no, it's a, obviously it's a it's a contrived yeah. um, scenario, but that's that's kind of. But what I'm saying is, I don't think I would vibe. even consider it. Mm. It
0: wouldn't come to my mind to even push. Somebody. Yeah, but we've
1: uh, I've actually made you consider it, so that's the point. It's not what you would do. It's what it's what you would do now. So it's not whether you'd th- oh I don't think I'd even think about it. that's irrelevant. It's knowing well, what you know if, we're calling, what's if we' calling the right thing to do
0: if well, I think basically it's the push, isn't it Darren Brown's the push and I don't think I would <laughs> yeet someone off the edge of something basically
1: hmm. so in that I'm respect wrong. in that respect you're you're being um, you're taking a more deontological perspective, which is saying that it's never right. To push somebody off a bridge onto a train. It was that's a rule. That's saying that this is a rule that we would never do that. We would never push somebody off a bridge. Um, despite uh what what other benefits there might be. What if um what if I don't know, I can't even think about the scenario, but imagine some twisted weird scenario where pushing somebody off a bridge saves twenty lives. How does that work now? Does that change I, the calculus at all? Or? I
0: just—it's not a matter of calculus because I don't think I'm—I'm I'm not. It's about emotion as well, and I don't think people make decisions based on calculus.
1: Right. Well, wow, that's such a great answer, Celine, because that leads us on to mm-hmm. um, the next point, really. So let's let's pause that there. I suppose that the point I'm making is: at what point does it become, um, if not okay? Something that you would seriously consider. So, a thousand people, a million people. So, and the, here you start to have the decisions that are made by, I suppose, people in um, situations like war or, or uh, even you know, policing, where you think, well, in order for me to save all these thousands of people, I have to put somebody at risk, mm-hmm. um, and that could mean that they die but the greater good prevails i, when like.
0: well, I guess when it's your job you're making decisions in a job like fashion it's different than if you're just some <laughs> random on the street
1: i can't believe you you're so you're so squirmy you can't you can't bring that in that's got nothing to do with it whatsoever that's got nothing to do with it whether it's your job or not you're throwing in red herrings
0: yeah, but you get training, don't you, and things like that. You're not just like
1: that's irrelevant about whether it's right or wrong, isn't it? I'm not. I'm not talking about you as an individual, really. I'm talking about what's the right thing to do. Mm. So, um, we're, we're Star Trek fans, as we often say on this podcast. Um, Star Trek talks about this a lot. Um, the needs of the many outweigh the few. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, but also that's constantly in dispute. So.
1: That's right. It's one of those areas that, that it explores, isn't it? In a lot of the movies in particular.
0: Particular kinds of people go into politics. <laughs> just so just Spock
1: Spock is a, um, I would say, is a consequentialist. Mm. So Spock, he's always the needs of the many outweigh the few. So yeah, if if somebody has to die for the benefit of the many, well, that's a price worth paying. Because the, the consequences are such that yeah, it outweighs the negative effects. So that's consequentialism is this weighing up of the, the benefits. I suppose I ought to say, how do we define benefits? So this is thinking about utilitarianism is a good thing to think about at this point. So the idea of utilitarianism, which is linked to consequentialism, is that the utility of doing something, in other words, the benefits of doing something, are based around the maximization of uh, goodness, happiness, pleasure, and the reduction, as much as possible, of pain and suffering. So it depends how you like to think about it, but a lot of people talk about trying to reduce the amount of suffering in the universe. So is what I'm about to do now the thing that is going to maximize happiness and reduce the amount of suffering, or not? and that's your primary consideration so spock is a consequentialist whereas kirk he tries to convince him that the needs of the one are prime and in a sense that's a de- deontological position is that you know i'm always going to save your life no matter what i'm always going to try and help you no matter what because that's how i feel so you talked about feeling um versus kind of or heart versus head I suppose and that is at the heart of a lot of this um, the work on this subject so um, there's a paper that I read before this uh, discussion which is really good paper actually it's called and you can access this anyone can access this Um, it's called moral reasoning hints and allegations by joseph m paxton and joshua d green Um, and uh, it goes into it in quite a lot of detail obviously it's it's quite an involved piece it's actually a psychological study so we're looking at the psychology of it here which is obviously relevant to head versus heart or heart versus head Um, and the question is you know how do we make these decisions actually do we make them through reasoning it out weighing up doing the maths thinking about yeah how many people will this help versus how many people will it harm or is it like you said that actually it's more about emotion um so That's what i mean though from- i
0: don't think what i was saying was like squirmy or whatever in the sense that i think if you've <laughs> no because i think if you've been If you've been trained, you will have been trained to be emotionally devoid from it. You won't be bringing, like they will, I'm not saying you never do, but you won't be bringing the same level of emotion to these decisions as just a person, a random person with no, like, training for it. Do you see what I mean?
1: Mm. I I do, but I think the, the point I'm trying to make is that we're not, we're not, what we're talking about here is not, if we're talking about ethics... We're not talking well, about what you are natu- would do. Natu- naturally more
0: with... emotion more more emotional, but and it yeah. takes like training to come to a I and like I think it's un it's unnatural to be mm. to be consequentialist is what I'm saying. Well And even if you want to use Star Trek as your example, that is trained because they they work on being
1: that way. They're not naturally
0: mm. that way. So
1: Well the good news is is that you agree pretty much with Jonathan Haight or Haidt, um, who's probably the most famous name in this um, this field really. Um, so he he came up with a uh, a way of thinking about it as a model, if you like, called the Social Intuitionist Model or the SIM. Um, and in the paper that I'm talking about, there's a, a model of that, there's a drawing of that model. But basically it says that there's three causal elements that are going on in the in the brain um that interact with each other and they are intuition judgment and reasoning so what according to this model what it seems to suggest is that you have a gut feel you have intuition and you make your judgment based upon that intuition and then you reason post hoc so you reason why you've done that thing after after you've done it. So we often like to think that we're very rational in our thinking, you know, well I did it because of this or I did it because of that. But actually what we're doing is we're we're doing it first based upon our intuition, our unconscious if you like, and then we reason it through afterwards. We justify why we've done it that way. Um which is really agreeing with what you've said, I think. Did would you say that?
0: Hmm. I, I think so, yeah.
1: That's, that's the model that's been around quite a lot. Now, the, the, the writers of this paper, Paxton and Green, are suggesting that whilst there's nothing kind of inherently wrong about that, and a lot, of, a lot of the decisions that people make actually are done like that, it's not quite as simple as that. And they talk about a, a dual system model or a two-system model um which is basically saying that these two different ways of thinking are kind of either happening at the same time or they can one can override the other so um i think it it's it's not necessarily saying that there's anything wrong with what we've just said but it's it's introducing the idea that you can you can invoke reasoning to change somebody's mind about something so one of the The problems with with the model that we've just described is that it suggests that, actually, if you're going to change somebody's mind, there's no good reasoning with them because Mm. their decision is made upon their intuition, their feels. So if you're going to change somebody's mind, you've got to appeal to their feelings rather than their thinking, rather than their um, rational thought.
0: I don't agree that far. I think that Mm. we often do have guts instincts but we do talk to people to see if those gut instincts are right do you know what i mean so like um you know if you have a falling out with someone and you're like instinctually like i'm not going to talk to them anymore blah, 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 blah. And you might talk to somebody else though and they'll bring you around you know
1: yeah and that's um i think that's that's an important um kind of addition to this this theory or at least a challenge to it i suppose um so here's here's some of the research around it so when people are confronted with the possibility of saving five people by pushing one person in front of the runaway trolley Mm. it appears that the inclination to respect the rights of the would-be victim is driven by emotional responses that depend on the ventromedial prefrontal cortex. So that's more if you English that that's more associated with the emotion. Um, if mm. you like, there it's closely linked I think to the, um, the amygdala, the amygdala, which we talked about on one of our previous podcasts. So, um, if you're thinking in terms of the deontology of it, the deontological approach, then you're engaging the emotional bits, if you like, of your brain. I'm, I'm, vastly you know simplifying this because it is actually very complex. Um whilst the countervailing utilitarian judgment is driven by controlled cognitive processes that depend on the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. So that bit is much more associated with conscious um thought, so executive uh thought that you're you're kind of purposely working through the numbers if you like mm. so it seems to be that um there's suggestions anyway that if you're thinking more deontological then that's more gut if you're thinking more consequentialist then you're you're thinking with your cognitive processes and there's some interesting um evidence around that so This study uses some um, fMRI scans. This is an area of of psychology that is quite new, and so we're we're still trying to work out what it all means, but it's quite interesting. There's some interesting research around it, although there are lots of people who question exactly what is it telling us. But um, What it seems to be suggesting is that you can actually see these areas that I've just described lighting up in different situations. A similar sort of experiment, it's not about morals, but it is about the way that the brain works. It's something that I did in my um, psychology degree called the Stroop test. Mm. I don't know. Did I do that with you, the Stroop test? I don't know. So the Stroop test is where you time how quickly it takes for people to identify um, the color of some some words, so they're 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 printed out in different colours, um, and you time how long it takes people to identify the the colours. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you have the word red typed in red, you time mm. how long it takes people to recognise that, um, and the word yellow typed in yellow, and the word blue typed in blue. But what you find is if you mix it up so that the word red is typed in blue. Mm. The word green is typed in red. Then people take longer to process that.
0: Yeah, it was on brain training. Do you remember that?
1: Was oh, it? Mm. Yeah. So that's a, that's called a Stroop test, and and you, it's very well understood that it takes people longer because there's this kind of interference going on. It's there's greater cognitive load, and it seems that that it also is associated with this more consequentialist thinking like you know you're actually having to do some work you're trying to think you know what what do i do in this situation um so again there's some research on that individuals with more rational intellectual styles tend to make more utilitarian judgments consequentialism while individuals with more intuitive styles tend to make fewer utilitarian judgments and you can actually see that in there
0: that's how we're we all play a game called Perudo, um, a What's dice that? game. So okay. you have a cup and you have some, you have like, you start with six dice and you rattle the dice and you look yeah. at your own and you might have six sixes, for instance. Um, so you might call, you have to call how many dice you think are in the table. So I might say, I feel quite confident that there's at least eight sixes on this table. Cause I know I've got six. So I'll just call like that. Like I'm just like, or I'll just make random calls. that I just feel right. I'm like, I don't know, like three twos or something. Then the boys around me that do physics are like working out the statistics and they're like taking ages and I just call random things. I'm like four fours. Cause it just feels right. <laughs> mm. Um, and then, yeah, one of them was getting really annoyed cause I like <laughs> won a few games. Um, and I'd make certain bluffs that they were just like <clears throat> while they were all like going mad on the statistics taking ages.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well that's um that that sort of relates to these two systems. And it, mm. it kind of reminds me anyway of the um we've talked about the two system model before, the Daniel Kahneman thinking, mm. fast thinking slow. I think it, it relates to this really, is that we seem to have uh two different well, we do have two different processing Um, or two different processes that we use so there's some things that we just automatically uh, intuitively if you like and we just make those decisions quickly but they tend to be without conscious thought and the, the the slower one the slower thinking is this system two which is yeah reasoning it all out weighing the odds thinking about consequences so yeah um i think that it it seems to sit quite nicely with that whether it's the same uh areas of the brain that are engaged um it could be or it might just be that that you know this is a common strategy for uh for brains that there are these two systems one one that does it quickly one that takes its time um so yeah it's 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 quite interesting the um So, going back to the deontological principles, so there's something called the action principle and the contact principle, which relates to the pushing the person in front of the the train. So, the action principle, um, so by taking action, you're seen to be more guilty, if you like, and like, so pushing the person in front of the train or pulling the lever because it's an action you're seen to be more guilty if it ends in somebody's death than not taking any action so just letting the train run into the five people rather than making the actually physically making that lever or pushing that lever um so that's interesting we think differently about that um but what again what some experiments have found is that if you ask people to just think about it rationally that changes their decisions or at least statistically uh, enough people change their minds about that Um, so that's quite interesting again so what you're doing there you're invoking them to think about this in a more logical rational way and do that calculation if you like Um, and the other one the contact principle is is the physical act of pushing somebody Um, again that seems to have more emotional impact than just pulling a lever. Um so it's that the physical act would seem be seen it's as a bit
0: more murderous, isn't it? <laughs> <it's> a <laughs> bit more murdery. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So where, where does that kind of leave us then with uh with working out what's right and wrong? I mean I think what um what all of what what the majority anyway let's say of, of the philosophers and psychologists who talk about this seem to be suggesting is that you might have a um a kind of grand uh philosophy if you like but on a day-to-day basis uh we tend to actually do things in a very deontological way really so we we tend to Intuitive. have a set of rules yeah. yeah that we follow um based around perhaps the way we're raised the the norms in our society that we're used to and that's how we normally do things and so that's where we go first but um, perhaps at the level of, I don't know, the nation state or organizations or um, that sort of thing, then when you are thinking more strategically about something, then then maybe you start to think more yeah. consequentially.
0: Well, I would say individuals do, or at least myself and not like individuals, I know, do. I would agree generally, yeah, people are being, ontological in the way that they're not, you know, considering every single decision down to the minutia, because mm. you would just be paralysed. You need you to would. be able to make That's right. um quick decisions. But I would say that the things that I want to change, I know I've made I make slower decisions on. Yeah. So things that I've chosen to do differently. So, you know, um thinking about how I use certain language to make sure it's you know, because we 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 grow up in a different world to the, the way things change and everything. So you try, mm. you might have said things when you're younger that you wouldn't use the same language now. So you, yeah. that that I think becomes a slower process and is still morally important. I mean, I remember at school we had an assembly about why using uh, the word gay as an insult was bad, yes. <laughs> and everyone then had to like keep stopping themselves because they were they'd learned that that was bad. Mm. Or there was, you know, language that I didn't know was a bad, or in or unkind term, and you you mm. told me, "Oh, that's not very nice. It means this," and I didn't know, mm. so then I stopped using it. But then, mm. that's like a slow process. Um, yeah. So I think we do things like that. Or for instance, um, every time that I would, by impulse, if I was looking for clothes, I would go onto like you know, you know, cheap or fast fashion mm. website here, but now i don't do that but it takes me time to find places and i actually for the first time in life look up the about us page to see if they tell me where their factories are and Mm -hmm. you know how open they are and transparent and that slow process is deciding okay well i'm not going to shop there because they don't tell me um where that is or i don't want to (laughs) shop anymore because it turns out they don't pay their people very good wages so you know is that, those is that true slow is that just a, for
1: example?
0: It's true, unfortunately, oh, so you can okay. bleep them if you want to in case we get <laughs> into big trouble. Um, but
1: yeah. Yeah, so um, that's a good point. And it, it, again, it, it relates very much to the thinking, fast thinking, slow to system model. You know, on, on my training courses that I do for managers, I try to encourage uh, managers to use kind of like thinking tools, you know, Um there's all sorts of tools that, mm. that managers use, like SWOT analysis or uh, force field analysis. These things are, are just very simple uh, tools that help people make decisions. I think in themselves, they're you know they're just fairly simple, and, and ultimately you still have to make the decision. It doesn't really make much difference, but what it does do importantly is it slows down your thinking, so you're actually considering all of the uh, the various different options. I think. That in itself is quite a good idea. Um, so that's one of the things that I I think um helped me. Um there's lots of difficult decisions, I think, when you leave a religion or a high control group that you know you didn't have to worry about before. And so you just you just said, Well, that's wrong. I know that's wrong, and that's it. And then when you leave, you you have to think a bit differently about that because you Yeah. Uh, and, it, it could and that be takes paralyzing.
0: time so i think remember that like we've said not every decision has to be a slow decision and that you can st- uh, you can over time introduce more things to your i guess moral compass um yeah not I mean, saying I think... be paralyzed by it and no. you're, as you come across things allow yourself to consider them is what i'm saying mm. so give yourself um give yourself space to not be knee-jerked I suppose but don't yeah, feel as though don't, I don't want people to feel overwhelmed in the sense that you've got a lifetime hopefully of you know your new life your new experiences to unpack these things and it takes time to build a new moral compass and you won't always know what things you are changing um it's, it's a slow process right
1: yeah it is absolutely and I agree that you don't you know there's lots of things you don't need to agonize over i mean let's face it the the religions even the the high control groups that that we were members of um they are still situated within a culture a, a wider culture a lot mm. of the things like not stealing not killing people you know the these things are um generally of course not always but generally considered to be um fairly accepted um, straightforward so it's not like you're starting from scratch bad. yeah mm-hmm. um so i think you know you've already got a decent start but yeah there there's issues that you will have to think about i mean i think you know um like assisted LGBT dying uh, lgbt yeah, yeah but assisted dying is one that i often think about um so you know when i was a jehovah's witness it was very simple that you couldn't help somebody die because it was wrong to take a life you know and Mm. it was wrong to be party to that and that's still really the law of the land Mm. um i personally now after years of thinking about it and think that we should change the law in that area Mm -hmm. but that's just my opinion but it's based on thinking about it you know what's the what relieves the maximum amount of suffering um in the world that's my own personal opinion but and I'm not saying that's the right one but I've come to that through that slow process that we're talking about mm. here when it comes to you know should I start stealing uh things from shops you know I don't think we need to agonize over that one I think it's pretty obvious we we shouldn't do that you know mm-hmm. um so that I think that's that's what I'm what I'm talking about really it's it's about you know, considering what is the right thing to do based on that reason. I mean, the the other thing that really influences our decisions on this in this sort of thing is is our political persuasions and other groups that we associate with. So once we leave um, our cult or religion, then you may well find yourself associating or identifying with a different group, and that could be a political group. It could be another religious group, or whatever. So again, you've then got external influences about what you think is right and wrong. But I think it's important for me anyway, personally, not to just um, accept whatever somebody else tells me because I did that for the first 30 years of my life mm-hmm. and, and I really want to be able to think about these moral issues for myself. So, and there's some big ones.
0: And it's important know. to... Um... For everyone to consider them individually in the sense yeah, that... Yeah, I think so. ...tribally is not ideal. So re- regardless mm. if your tribe is a religious group or mm. um, a political uh, persuasion, it um, you, you don't have to agree with everything from a particular political party to still be on the mm. left or right, for instance. That's right. um, yeah. So don't feel that that's what your tribe says, so you have to believe it and stand in... Right. Die on yeah. that hill um yeah. consider things for yourself and that can
1: be really hard can't it i know we've mm-hmm. talked about this in the past together mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. it, it's especially with um the way that things like twitter and so on separates people into these groups mm. you know feeling well i have to take this view because that's what you know the rest of my tribe says um i think mm-hmm. can be really difficult but yeah that's one of the things that that we, we won that freedom really hard (laughs) um, if you've left a high control group. And I think it's important to be able to, to continue to make those decisions, you know, that Mm -hmm. in itself is a a decision, of course. Um, and, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, for me, it's, it's really, really important. Um, and and I guess the, the other thing that I've thought about this quite a lot over the last couple of weeks. um, trying to understand other people's decisions why people do what they do some of that can be it co- it could be that we're thinking you know in this way and they're thinking in a different way so you know um it's wrong to do this or it's wrong to do that okay mm-hmm. but what was going through their mind at the time what were they thinking what what was the their motivation so it could be that we think this particular action is is wrong but um, the decision they made was perhaps a consequentialist one that they thought the greater good would be served uh, by taking that decision.
0: I think something that's important to consider in all of this um, sort of moralistic conversation of today is that um, I do think, as much as you know, I said I don't want people to feel overwhelmed, but I do think e- unfortunately each instance is different and we do talk about shades of grey and things like Mm. that and um you know certain times you might think a decision you know generally you might have a particular way of seeing things because that's sort of your moral compass but in certain instances you might feel um obligated to do such and Mm. it's up to the individual i suppose to see how that weighs up with their conscience and their morals and ethics and also how they think it's going to um impact the greater good and not just you as an individual. I guess that's when you draw out to um, the wider realm of this, of the, you know, consider communities and mm. just generally other people. Um, because obviously we're talking a lot about individual feelings today and how we personally feel. But obviously a big part of ethics is our interactions with others and how we, um, you know, how we uh, interact with others is, is I would say, a really big part of this so we're talking about our individual feelings and actions but obviously I think m- morally the time I feel most twisted up is when I'm considering how it's going to affect other people Um mm. I think that's when I feel most conflicted when I'm considering mm. others Um I can always sort of make do when it's only mm. affecting myself because I think well I've only made myself yep. a little bit uncomfortable but yeah when it's others it Makes things ever so more
1: difficult. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: yeah, I suppose. Um. Yeah. Just just throw that in there. You know. Also remember other people. Ha <laughs> ha. Make it even harder for everyone. You know. But there we are.
1: Yeah. So no one says that ethics are are easy. And and um. Yeah. I think that's that's obviously always going to be difficult. And and in a sense, um, leaving makes it more difficult. It, it, there is something nice about, and that is the one thing I think. Um. you perhaps do miss when you leave a a cult or a high control group is that yeah you know it was great before because i didn't have to worry about that i just knew what the right thing to do was
0: yeah and you can't really get upset can you if someone does something that's Mm. you know agreeing to the moral code um, of your group if they upset you by following the moral code mm. you can't really speak out about it because no. you've all agreed that that's right so that's no, right. even the thing that you know i said is twisting and more difficult people can't even get upset about
1: it <laughs> no i mean you know i guess people do because people are human beings but but you um
0: put you in a y- s- yeah you're,
1: you're safe if you mm. if you make a decision that is in line with what the um the organization says then then fine you, you're always able to say well i you know i'm just trying to follow the uh, uh the the principles of the bible you know that's that's what i've done there so you know i i knew if i got called up as a young man if i got called up to go to war i knew that i couldn't do that mm. um if i was asked to um well, carry a gun for my job i knew i couldn't do that
0: if you were asked to um give or receive blood
1: Couldn't do that. Yeah. But that's why it gets so...
0: That's why it's so awful when you start to doubt, though.
1: Mm. Because
0: everything... I think it's... When you're on one side or the other, it's it's easier. But when you're... Do you know what I mean? Once you've Mm. left the moral code or if you're comfortably in it, it's fine. But that wavy period where you're not sure... Like you said, when mum was going to be having me and you thought... Now, moralistically, the choice is next of kin. If they said, should we give your wife blood, you know, if she yeah. wasn't able to make that decision
1: mm.
0: and they asked you, moral, the moral choice there, when you're not 100% on either side, when you're still doubting, that would be a tremendously difficult decision and a very painful one, I imagine. Mm. I'm glad you didn't have to. Um, but that would That's be right. a very morally
1: unhappy time. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's right yeah, yeah that's right yeah yeah so yeah it's it can be quite different and I think the longer you're out the easier it gets I mean you're you're never you're never there I don't think I mean for me there's still issues that I struggle with um mm-hmm. and I honestly don't know the right answer for um mm-hmm. and um I wouldn't say I'm, I'm okay with that but in a way the the things i still don't quite know um the answer to don't affect doesn't affect me really on a day-to-day basis so i can i can sit on the fence but um i think it's yeah. good
0: because it reminds you that you're not it's not all decided and done and fine that's right, that's right. um and i think in the sense of if you said it's more consequentialist, I do take things more one at a time, individual mm. issue at individual issue, Um, which means I've, I'm never comfortable and <laughs> positioned because I, I do feel like everything is quite a unique situation. So big things that come at me, you know, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Oh, i to have to consider some stuff. Um mm. Keeps you present.
1: <laughs> I think so. But I think that's the right, personally, I think that's the right way to be. Um We, 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 the more we um or being so and this is something that i've talked about uh, social media a lot you know being so sure i i can't believe how sure everybody is on twitter uh which is the social media i use most um the the level of um certainty with which people appear to have their views Mm. um is staggering to me um because there's loads just, of stuff I don't want yeah. to comment on because I don't know the answer to it
0: <laughs> also it's just dangerous in the sense that I know that people do change and mm. opinions change mm. um when I was talking to someone recently and I was like oh I don't think you thought that like cause I've known them a long time and they're like well I mean I was like a child you know like not literally a child but they were like you know I was a kid mm. I was a teenager mm. when I said that I was probably like 18 like yeah. i don't think very much like i used to and not just because you're 18 but because what is it like f- <laughs> five years is quite a lot of years you know um and yeah. 10 years will be a lot And all of this will be i don't want my history of ethical fumbling to be on the internet i suppose i would quite like to keep certain <laughs> things to myself
1: indeed yeah indeed
0: but hey ho people make their own choices
1: absolutely absolutely cool all right well um i think that's that's done i think we've we've covered that there's loads more to talk mm. about obviously but um yeah hopefully you found that interesting very good okay cool all well right. um thank you very much celine looking forward to uh, speaking to you again and uh because if we don't talk to each other we don't not at all even though you are in the room next door um so yes listeners please don't forget to um to make a, a review on the old mm. apple thing that's and great. apparently
0: so i heard on someone else's podcast that spotify does reviews now Oh right. yeah so if that's true someone try it out because i'd like to yeah. see it in action
1: definitely Okay, cool. Thank you very much for listening and uh, see you next time.
0: Bye. Bye. What should I think about is an evil sheep production.